going to continue a series called, Now What? Because when God does a work inside of our lives, I remember when I was 17 years old, just gave my life over to the Lord, surrendered to Him, that He began at that moment to begin to infuse me with a purpose and a calling in my life. And that's maybe not the experience that everybody has had in this room, but I do believe that there are ministries and callings and purposes in all of your lives. And sometimes that cannot seem very clear. At times it is very clear. And so we live a Christian life and what happens is we begin to go into a mode of trying to be a good Christian rather than living with a purpose on our life, rather than living with a calling and in the giftings that God has for us. And so we try to do this thing called being a Christian rather than being who he's called us to be. And so over the next two more weeks, we're going to continue in this series, and I hope that I can show you what it means, but also what it looks like to step into the ministry and the giftings that God has given to every single one of you. No one in this room, no matter where you're at with God or where you've been with God, no one is exempt of what God has placed on your life. There is a gifting and there is a ministry in all of your lives. But as we mentioned last week, and I want to do a short review of what we talked about last week so that we can kind of bring these things two together, everything in our life, ministry included, anything that I'm going to do for God is all, and it all comes from relationship with the Father. Now this is extremely important because even the religious uh, leaders at the time of Jesus, they were doing things for God, but they did not have a relationship with God. And I have found it to be very true that it's easy to do ministry sometimes absent of the one that you're doing it for. Everything that we will do, anything that God has placed in your heart, it requires that relationship with Him in order to do it in order for it to actually fulfill the purpose that God has for all of us. Because remember this journey that we're on. Every single one of us in this room are on a journey, but it's not a journey of destination. It's not where you're going to get to and what goals you're going to achieve and how you're going to do that. The journey that we're all on is one of discovery. Discovering who God is for us, and who we are to God. And many of you in the last number of 14 months or however long you've been with us at New Day, you're discovering who God is. And you've heard me say that statement more than once, that we're discovering who God is, but we're also discovering who we are to God. Because when you realize who you are to God, you start to step into the things courageously that He's called you to step into. And so the end goal of my message is not that you go and do ministry. It's not that you go and be a minister or you go and fulfill the things that God has for you, although that's great. The end goal of the, ser or the, the, the series and the message is that you would want to know the Father more. That you would actually long to know God more than just what can I do for you. Remember the story of Martha and of Mary, Jesus was coming to the home, and Mary was listening to his words, and Martha was doing everything she could do to serve him. It sounded so noble, he, she went up to Jesus, actually, and she said these words, Jesus, please make my sister serve with me. 
And he said to her these words, Martha, Mary has chosen something that I'm not going to take away from her. She chose for a moment to know God. And I want to encourage you through every message that I would give you at the end of the day, it's all about knowing your father and it's about knowing who you are to your father. And so then because I know that, because I know who God is and I know who I am to God, I'm no longer, in key word no longer because I used to, I'm no longer ministering for God's approval. I'm no longer ministering for his love and for his acceptance. I'm now ministering with his approval and with his love and with his acceptance. It's a big difference. Because now when I minister with it, I go on his behalf. I go with him going with me. Before it'd be like, I'm going to do this. God, are you happy with me? Are you pleased with me? God, I just want to make you happy today and I just want to make you pleased today. When in fact, he's pleased because of what Christ has done. And now as we put our faith in that, now we can go going, you love me, you've accepted me in the beloved and you've chosen me, I'm going to go. And I'm going to go and I'm going to represent you wherever I go and I'm not going to do it to make you happy or to make you love me or to make you accept me. I'm going to do it because I am loved and because I am accepted. Now think about the words that God spoke to Jesus. The Father spoke these words to Jesus before he went into full-time ministry. There's so many things that you can tell somebody before they step into their ministry and what did the Father speak over him? You are my Beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. I love that because Jesus now went not to get something from his father. He went knowing that he was his beloved and that no matter how hard it got, he was always his beloved. No matter how well he did, he was still his beloved and that God was well pleased even before he did what? Ministry. That's a big statement right there. You are God's beloved and some of you haven't even stepped into what he's called you to do. And he still sees you as his beloved and one that he delights in. Can you imagine now when you finally receive that, when you go and do ministry, it's no longer trying to get something from God. It's now giving to others what God has freely given to you. And so last week I, I dived, I won't go too, too much depth into this, but go ahead, uh, Johnny, put that on the screen, is that in... Sorry, I'm playing around this mic so much. It may annoy me more than it may annoy you. But um, take me down just a little bit, Dan. So there's a difference between a pit stop and garage. God gave me those two pictures the first month that we were doing New Day and really challenged me, Justin, what if you're a pit stop church? What if you start to see my people as those who are coming in to a pit stop rather to a garage? A garage is your home. A garage is we settle. A garage is this is where you belong. When God goes, no, no, no. They belong on the race that I've called them to. That we're not settling here. We're not just coming to, to migrate and to be the people of New Day. No, you may come to New Day, but you are called to go and run the race that God has called you to run. You are called in to do what God has called you to do. And when I saw this picture, I realized Man, I get it now. Get you to maybe a place where you can go back onto the race. So maybe you come in and your tires are just whacked up. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you, man, your tires are whacked up. No, I'm here to say, man, hey, you're here. 
man, we're going to get those tires to where they need to be so that you can go and do what you've been called to do. Yeah, but you don't get it. My tires are whacked up because of the previous church I came from where the people did this or they did this. Oh, we don't even have to go there. I mean, man, God may bring healing to you. We can have a conversation about it, but there is a race that you're called to run, and when you're here in the pit stop, that's when you're just getting recharged. That's when you're getting what you need, but we are called to run Monday through Saturday or however it looks, Monday through Sunday, every single day of the week, and this is just simply on Sunday mornings to call you up and know who you are in Christ and call you up into who your father is to you so that when you leave these walls, you leave ready to go. You know what? I can go another mile. I can go another 10, 15 laps. And so that you're no longer settling, that we're advancing, we're always making progress in what God has called us to do. And so shortly after I had that picture of my mind, this is the verse that came to my mind, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, it says, of course, he's appointed some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and some as teachers. I made a point last week, but I want to reiterate it, is that that's not the elite class. That is just God now setting up those five offices to now do what? Look at this, and this is what I love now about what I get to do. It says, and their calling is to nurture and to prepare Another translation says to equip, that I now have a calling in my life. My calling is not for you to think I'm special or good at this or good at what I do. My calling now is to be servants of you. I get to now nurture you and shepherd you and prepare you for what? Look at this. And to prepare all the believers to do their own works of ministry. Now when you look at the word works because it has nothing to do with God loving you, now you can do it in response to God loving you. It becomes some, something that is fulfilling and not an obligation. Because oftentimes what we've done for God has drained us because we hope that it would actually make us closer to God. But Jesus is the only reason that we're close to God. And so it's out of that relationship I have with Christ that I'm going to now go and go, Lord, what is the work of the ministry you have for me? I hope you ask that question over these next, these next couple of weeks is what is the work that you have for me? In some it may be very specific, others you may not know exactly what that looks like. And it says that as you go and do their work, they will now what? Enlarge and build up the body of Christ. I love that. It's not about building a church, it's about building the church. Is that you go and do the works of your ministry, you'll start to see people come to know Jesus as Lord. And there's opportunities all around. Just yesterday, I was in a, a store in Chicago, and a Chinese guy, I, I actually bumped into him twice, and so he said these words. He goes, oh, since we bumped into each other twice, do you want to hear a couple jokes? <laughs> and in his own broken English, he started to just share some jokes with me, and, uh, and I didn't get them. I did laugh. I, I, did, I, didn't, I really, truly didn't get any of the jokes that he shared, um, but I said, um, you know, since we bumped into each other, do you mind if I share Jesus with you a little bit? I said, are you a religious person? He says, no, I come straight from China, and I, I, I know of God, but I don't know that. I said, have you heard of Jesus before? And he says, I have heard of Jesus because of some of the church things that have been done in China, in China there. And I said, man, I just want to tell you a little bit about Jesus. And I asked him if he had any pain in his body, and 
he said, yeah, pain in my leg. And I said, you know what? It's hindered him from doing a lot of the work that he's called to do. And, and uh, I said, I just want to pray for you right now. And he received it. And we got stuck in line together. And so we got to talk a little bit more. But those are opportunities to do what? A work of ministry. And we miss out on many of those just because of the nature of our agenda for that day. And so I want you to see, that I'm going to explain it in just a minute, that there is a difference between what happened in that store and what I'm called to do as a pastor. I'm going to explain it in just a moment. Look at verse number 12. Or verse 16, actually. It says, For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. In every, everybody say Every. This is very important. Every single one of you have been given a gift to contribute to the growth of all. Every single one of you have been given either a gift or gifts that will contribute to the growth of his body. And those, and as these gifts operate effectively through the whole body, we are what? Made, we are built up and we are now perfected. Every single one of you play a part. Your past does not determine the gift that was given to you. Your gift was given before you had a past. Your gift was given before you felt unqualified to walk in that gift. The callings on your life, there's ministries on your life. You may be far from God in this place, and yet God's callings and his giftings are what? Irrevocable, that they are not taken away from you. That he still has those plans and those purposes on your life. And so each of us, not just me, every single person in this room, you have a ministry, keyword, to fulfill. While you are here on this earth, you may live 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. Nobody knows the exact time that you're going to live. But you have a ministry while you're here on this earth to fulfill. And that's why Paul could say at the end of his life, he goes, man, I've run the race that I've been called to. I fought the fight that I was called to fight, and I'm coming to the end of my day, but I fulfilled the ministry that God gave for me. And we are called to advance his kingdom, to take back ground that the enemy has stolen, and that God desires to partner with us because we are his sons and daughters. He left us on this earth for a reason, and therefore he has given all of us a ministry that comes with a grace. That's what I love about it, is that this ministry that God has called me to also comes with this in empowering. It's kind of like getting a toy that comes with batteries. That's fulfilling, isn't it? It's satisfying because you can play with the toy when you get it. But the same thing is that God gives us a ministry, but at the same time, he says, I'm going to give you a grace to fulfill the very things that you have. And then I'm also going to place an anointing upon you so that when you minister, you're not doing it out of yourself. You're doing it with my power so that I can now transform the life of the one that you're ministering to. So let me just put that in, in, in play is that he has called me to be a pastor, but he also places a grace upon me to be a pastor. So I've heard the phrase many times, oh, I'd never want your job. Well, of course you wouldn't because you don't have a grace for it. But if you had a grace for it, you would love this. Do you know what I'm saying? And the moment we lose sight of that grace, we hate what we're doing for God. But he not only gives me a grace to now do and handle 
what is going to come my way, but he also now gives me an anointing so that when I speak, it's nothing about me. Think about this for a moment. You may go, man, I feel like he's talking just to me, or I feel like when he speaks, man, I feel like a a lightness come over me, or man, things are breaking, or he's just been so instrumental in God transforming me. Well, just take me out of the picture for a moment, realize it's God's anointing on the grace of the calling that I walk in, and now you get Jesus flowing through you. Because Jesus is the anointed one. And so I now just become a vessel. So can you think about how crazy it sounds for me to now talk to God about my inadequacies and talk him out of why he can use me? Because it has nothing to do about me. I'm literally just a conduit. I mean, can you imagine a piece of pipe that you're going to put in the, for the, um, the sink and you just... If the pipe had a voice, the pipe goes, I can't do that. I can't give you water all the time. Like, I'm not, I'm a pipe. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he diminished his role in thinking that he's the one giving the water to you, and like, you're going to turn that sink on like 40 times a day, and how am I going to keep on producing all that for the people, right? What if a pipe said that? You'd be like, you're, you're not, what are you you're way thinking you're too big for this because it's nothing about that. You're just a conduit for the water to flow through so somebody can get the drink. And so I can't pray for people and see them get healed. Oh, you think you're the one that actually is determining whether or not they get healed when you pray for them? No, you're the what? The pipe. Isn't it? It's important. Because then we now are so self-conscious and it has nothing to do about it's his calling, it's his grace, and it's anointing. Now you can see lives transformed. And of course, they reciprocate and say, thank you very much, but you realize you're a pipe. It has nothing to do. It, it, you know where the source comes from and you know that you're not the ending of it. You're just the one that has allowed God to flow through your life. So now I hope you see ministry so differently. It's not about, oh my gosh, I, he's calling me to do this. <laughs> Go do it and realize the moment you step and say, yes, he gives you a grace. And when that grace comes with an anointing and now you can watch God transform lives through you and it has nothing to do with you. So look at these two passages. We started this last week, Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. Um, And say to Archippus, take heed to the what? To the ministry. Okay, I want you to just kind of see that this would be written to you, to Sarah, to uh, Patty, to Peggy, to Tom. Say, say this to them. Take heed to the ministry which you have what? Received. Not that you made up, not that you manufactured, not that you just, God, I want this and I want this and I want to do this. No, you have to receive this from God. This is something that comes from the source of God. And so he says, take heed to that ministry that you may fulfill it. This is important as it comes as sons and daughters. Of course, we're, we're called to receive everything that God has for us and enjoy a relationship with God. But he wants us to now stand into a ministry that he goes, I need you while you're here on this earth, Justin. I need you to fulfill this ministry because if you play your part, I can continue to advance my kingdom. And if you don't play your part, my kingdom is still going to be advanced, maybe hindered, but I'm going to find somebody else that will play that part. Are you hearing me? Now look at the next verse. 2 Timothy 4, 5. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, 
and everybody say do. At New Day, that word can often be looked down upon because we've become very relational with God, which is exactly what I hope that God would lay a foundation if it's relational before functional, that we do not function to get a relationship with God. It's out of our relationship with God that we now go in do. Do what? There is work to be done. There is work to be done in God's kingdom. And every single one of you have been chosen for the roster of what he's called us to do. None of you are chosen last. I want to make that very clear. You know that kid in the park when you're choosing teams and there's always that one that somebody goes, I'll just take four guys instead of five. That's not what God does. He chose you because he's called you and he calls you with a grace and that grace has an anointing and he says, now go and do the work. Of an evangelist, it says here, because that's what Timothy was called to do, and fulfill your ministry. So ministry is simply defined for this purpose. How will you serve God's people? Both believer and non-believer alike. So that gentleman yesterday is God's child, but he's not God's son. I don't know if you know the difference. We'll explain it another time, but he has yet to receive Christ as his savior. And so I had an opportunity now to do what? Ministry. Which meant I was going to serve him something. I'm going to now serve him Christ. I'm going to serve him the gospel. I'm going to serve him that there's good news about his life, that God is no longer holding the things he's done against him according to his record. He is now forgiven if he'll just receive Christ. It was ministry. I don't know if you hear that feedback, Dan, but I hear it in the speakers. So how I will serve God. Ministry and always will be, is and always will be, it's a gift. It's a gift that comes from the Father for us to do on his behalf. We must receive it from the Lord. Many of us argue about it. Many of us are like, God, what do you have for me? And then when he starts to begin to show us something, you know, kind of like that gut understanding of, oh, no way. And what do we do? We dismiss it. Like, God, I wasn't thinking about that. No, I could never talk in front of people. No, I could never sing. No, I could never evangelize. No, I could never pray for a stranger. Are you kidding? Lord, you know my personality. And so what we do is we start to not receive from him. We start to remind him why we're not the person for the very thing that we feel like he's saying. There's two types of ministry. Just bear with me as we continue to go through this. Because I, I think this is vital to your life and to what, what is next in your Christianity. Two types of ministry we talked about last week. One, specific assignments. I believe I've been specifically assigned to a pastor and to start New Day Church. That's an assignment I believe is from God. But the other side of ministry is opportunities. Like what happened yesterday at the store. It's an opportunity that I'm always aware that I'm a son of God and I have a ministry and there's people that are passing me all day long. Like the other day when the office, there's Comcast, Comcast people that are coming into the office. I have to remember I'm a minister, but not because I'm a pastor. You're a minister. And there's people he is, think about this, there's people he's going, oh man, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them right by Phil. All right, come on, Phil, come on. Be a minister. Be, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's when we go with our cell phone. We go, hold on, I'm on the phone. All right. 
We had to do that one time when I was in Hong Kong because there's so many people that are soliciting for all this, hey, you want a tailor, you want a tailor, you want a tailor, you want a tailor. It's like you just put your phone up to your ear so they think you're on the phone. But how many of us have missed opportunities that God is like, man, okay, my, my son's up, my son's out the door, my daughter's out the door. Surely they're going to come across one of the others that are not knowing who I am and, and I'm going to put them right in the path. Oh, man, and they, uh, they missed an opportunity for what? Ministry. Is to serve the people that are lost and to serve the people that are not lost. It is in front of us all the time, passing us all the time. And I don't know what it looks like. I just know when the opportunity arises. There's no pressure when that young man told me those jokes. Like, man, cool, man. That was great. Are you going to be a comedian? He said, no, I'm an engineer. It's the only way that I make sanity of what I'm going through right now is to tell jokes. And, but I knew it was an opportunity, not an opportunity to throw anything down th his throat, but to introduce him to a person and to possibly pray for him in a certain way. The next thing you see in there is that we, uh, you know, I'll go back to the two, two more, go back to, is that we have to receive it. Receive means two things, responsibility and accountability. I'm gonna go fast through this because we already went over this. We receive it from who? We receive it from God. That there's ministries on your life that you're called to fulfill. And it's your ministry. It's not mine. I don't know the details of it. That's the amazing thing is I'm not here to be the voice of God inside your life regarding your ministry. I don't know what he's called you to do. If he ever shows me, I will speak to you. I will share it with you. I'll publicly stand you up in the middle of the service and probably do something that is extremely embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'll do. But if I don't know it, I'm not the guy that can tell you. I can guide you. I can maybe build you up to have the courage. But there are things that God will prompt you and put on your heart. And sometimes those are dormant. And even while I'm speaking, some of those things are kind of coming to the top. And they're coming to their, your mind. And you're like, shut up. Like, dude, Lord, I'm done with that. I'm not qualified for that. Okay? I'm just this. I'm just this. I'm just a mom. Or I'm just uh, this kind of worker. I'm just this person. God, I'm not that. And so God is calling us where? All right, oh, yes, yes. He's calling us, he calling, he's calling us up. He's not focused on your inadequacy. You have, you're irrelevant to what he's calling you to. Like your weakness is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if he's called you to it. He knows he's going to give you a what for it? Grace. And that grace has an anointing, so it has nothing to do about you. Nothing. That is good news because now you're no longer like, I can't. He goes, I don't care. It doesn't even matter if you can because my grace is sufficient for you to do what you're called to do. And so we said this uh, last week. Go to the one with the three phrases. He calls you up into what? Your identity, your sonship. As a daughter of God, he's calling you up into be this is who you are to me, Justin. You are his son, a redeemed son of God. You're not just a forgiven sinner who has not been transformed. No, I gave you a new heart. I gave you a new mind. I've given you new grace and new mercies. Go and be my son. And then what does he do? He calls us up into our, our ministry. Hey, Justin, man, I, I love you. I know you love me. I have some things I need you to do for me. I have some people that need to be saved. I have some people that need to be encouraged and built up. Like that gentleman I talked about, our neighbor, his name is Lee. He walks down the street, very, very depressed man. And I know I have an assignment 
from God for me to specifically minister to him every time I see him. No matter the inconvenience, how long it's going to take, what it's going to be like, I can't allow inconvenience to keep me from something that I know God has assigned me to call that man into who he is. So he calls us up into who we are and he calls us up into our ministry because if, if we do not know who we are, what will happen is exactly what happened to me. Even though I knew who I was, I found my identity in what I did for God, not who I was to God. This is, this is, this is why relational before functional is so important because if ministry becomes your identity, you start doing things to make people happy, you start doing things to make yourself look good, you start doing stuff so that you will get the recognition of others around you, you'll start doing things with this self-conscious all the time and then when it doesn't go the way that it should or somebody's not happy with the end result, you now break down because your identity is in who you are. And then when you're no longer doing it, and it's why ministers have some of the hardest times to retire. Because their whole identity, maybe it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter if you're a mom, they have a hard time retiring as a mama, as a doctor, as a physician. No matter what it is, it's like sometimes we are so wrapped up in this is what I do, this is what I love when people ask me on the plane. So what do you do? You know what I get to tell them? What do you think? I'm a father. I'm a husband. I know it throws them off, it's weird, I know it's quirky, I know that's not why they asked the stupid question, but nonetheless, I just want to remind them, it's not what I do necessarily, it's who I am, which is a father, and a son of God, and all that good stuff, it's, it's who you are. Now look at this, and then he calls you up into this last thing, go back real quick, into his ability. This is his grace on your life, and this is where I hope that you start to have some courage. Scotty, man, get ready for what God's going to do in your life, bro. Heed these words, man. Heed these words because this is where it begins right here is knowing who you are and whose you are. And then what he's going to call you to do, man, just know it's coming with the grace and, man, put the pedal to the metal. Don't even think about how you don't qualify for those things. Okay, go to Jeremiah real quick. I want to sh- show you how this has played out. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to me. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. He's a young man at the time. He said, before I formed you, and I want you to know this is true about all of us. He said, before I formed you, Jeremiah, I knew you. And before you were born, before you were born, I what? I set you apart. I called you like, hey, before you were even born, this was on your life. So it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your, your, your weaknesses or your flaws or your personality quirks. Before all of that, I sanctified you. So he's, he's bringing him back to a place of identity. I know you, you know me, and I've sanctified you before anything. And then he looked this, look at this. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. I don't know what he ordained you for, but it's something. He has a purpose on your life while you're on this earth. But first and foremost, he wants to know, I knew you, I know you, you are so-and-so, and I know the numbers of hair is on your head, and you're precious to me, and I have thoughts about you, but I also have something I've called you to do. Now look at this, this is how we all do it, isn't it? Then said I, Lord, I receive that. I can't wait to be a prophet to the nations, and I can't wait to get persecuted and afflicted. I can't, I'm so excited, Lord. He said, oh, Lord God, behold, I, sorry, Totally, I know I'm, it's just funny, isn't how we do that? Like, we know we're talking to God. And it's almost like he's trying to trick us into this, but that's how we see it. Like, he's deceiving us into, 
you know I can't do this. And I just want to remind you, you can. It doesn't even matter anymore. This, this actually matters nothing. I cannot speak for I am a youth. What do you say? Lord, I cannot what for I am a... Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It makes no difference to God because he didn't even call him because of that if he can speak. And this is awesome. He called him to be a prophet and he could not what? Speak. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am just this for you shall go to whom I send you and whatever I command you you will speak and don't be afraid why now here it is he calls us up into his ability and here's his ability because sometimes we think it's like this superpower that he gives us no 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 for I am with you that's the grace on my life i realize that when i go over here and me and john we punch and we kick and we, we we wrestle over here the moment i step on this carpet you're like who's johnny johnny's cool young man back there helping us out with the slides i realize when i stand up here and i start to speak he's with me i love that because he called me to do it he's ordained me to do it and he's given me a grace to do it and now i get to step up here and I don't have to be petrified whether or not that I'm going to be able to communicate to you. I get to realize God's with me and he's with the words that I'm speaking. So first and foremost, the ministry that all of us have been given is a ministry of reconciliation. Now, just bear with me for a moment. I really want to unpack this. He has given every single one of us a ministry of reconciliation that is driven, compelled, fueled by what? Love. And this is why it's so important that you learn how to receive the love of the Father because it's that love that you receive that causes you to become that you can now freely give. Don't ever forget the picture of a pipe. You are a pipe. And so whatever God is having you to receive, that pipe receives water from one source in order to deliver that pipe or that water to another source. And so I am just receiving God's love so that I can be a conduit eventually of that love to somebody else because it's that love that transforms me and it's that love that now will flow through me, cause me to become that, that I now love others and they're transformed by the very same thing. So it's a ministry of reconciliation. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. We're gonna start in 17. He says, so what this means, he's talking about what happened to us because of Christ dying for us. What this means is that those who become Christians become what? New people. You are brand new. You are a new man. There's a new man on the inside of you. The old is dead. We are to put on the brand new man that comes with a new heart, with new mind, with a new lens so that we can see life completely different like Christ did. So he says, now those who have become Christians, it's imperative that you know who you are. You are a new person. He says, they are not the same anymore for the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now, now, now it's going to sh shift over and it says this. And this is why the message is called, now what? All this newness of life is from who? It's all from God. So he made us new. He gives us permission to believe that we're new. 
And he brought us back to himself. Where did God bring us? Not to heaven. Where did he bring us to? Himself. This is very important when it comes to understanding the gospel because sometimes we think, man, this is all about who? Jesus. It is, but Jesus came to bring us back to who? The Father. That's critical to understand because God brought us back to himself through what Christ did. So Christ also was a pipe that allowed God to flow through Christ and he showed us exactly how to do it even to the point where he became death on a cross and that's why he said, for the joy set before me I endured the cross. Why? Because I knew that I was just a vessel of God's love to transform the entire world and that by my sacrifice I could now bring everybody back to a relationship with the Father. Now look at this. And God has given us the ministry of reconciled people to who? Okay, so there is a whole bunch of people. We criticize them on Facebook. We look at their dirty works and their evil deeds and we start to call them out all day long. Guys, I, I hope this is a friendly rebuke to many of us in this room that we are looking at the wrong thing when we look at people who are sinning. And when we look at people who are even in political things, when we look at them and we see them as a certain way because you are looking at, some, you are looking at somebody that God is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to send somebody that will reconcile them back to me. So no matter how bad you talk about them and what you think about them and how they're so done, I am still madly in love with them and I'm going to bring somebody that will be obedient and surrender and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring them back to me. Because we get so fixated on the deeds of people and we start to think we're better than others. Like, man, how could they do this and how could they say that? When in fact, if you just looked at yourself for a moment, you would realize your flesh is just as ugly as anybody else's. And now he has given me a ministry. This is thrilling because now I get to go now reconcile people back to him. Not do you want to go to heaven? Not do you not want to go to hell no, do you realize, look at this, now let me just go on, verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's radical. That there are people who are walking who do not know Christ. They're blinded in their mind. That's what the Bible says. They're wicked in their works. And so what we do is we judge the work rather than go, man, there's a son or daughter that behind that, blind, that blindness that they're walking in. And I have the ministry of reconciliation to the, remind them that what? That God was in Christ reconciling a world. He no longer counts their sins against them. This is the wonderful message that he has given us to tell others. And now I have a ministry that comes with a what? A message. And that message comes with the grace and an anointing to see transformed. And so we think, I don't know what to say. Man, just start with those words. Did you know God, by Christ, he no longer counts your sins against you? Oh, wait, 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 but they have to repent. Oh, the goodness of God leads one to repentance. Tell them the good news. Give them a chance to believe something. Because otherwise, religion will get them. And religion gets them, they'll be like, you know what, come here, but hey, clean yourself up, wash yourself up, make yourself look pretty. This is how we act as Christians, and now you can be part of our Christian club. 
That's what religion does. But Jesus didn't do that. It's a wonderful message he has given us to tell. And the first thing that arises for many people in this room is, well, that is not my personality. <laughs> right? That's not a message I should tell. That's a message I should what? I'll live it in front of people. And of course, I get it. I know why we say that statement. Because so many people told the message and they didn't live it. I mean, it's stupid. That doesn't make sense. But it's not just something you live in front of people. It's something that you what? You tell them. Oh, but I'm scared, of course, because the enemy is, he'll do anything to intimidate you. He'll do anything to make sure that I don't say anything further to that Chinese guy. Why? It's not the right time. His wife is standing right there. Or he has to go or I have to go. Our agenda now starts to trump our ministry. And then we're always looking, God, what to do. And so we start to become Martha's and we start serving as much as we can because we missed out on the one ministry that we all have, which is a ministry of reconciliation to go tell the world that God is not counting their sins against them. This is the wonderful message that he has given to us to go tell. And we are what? Christ ambassadors. That's who you are. You're not trying to become that. I don't have to do anything to become an ambassador of God. He said, I already am. So it's now in light of our, I already am an ambassador, not because I qualified it or deserved it, that what? We urge you, as through Christ we're pleading with you, to be reconciled to God. Uh, give me six more minutes. So God has chosen you. Listen to these words. God has chosen you to be his. Okay? This is important. God has chosen you to be his. That means he picked all of you in this room. Every single one of you did not accidentally become a Christian. No, he chose every single one of you to be what? His. We think sometimes he chose us to do something. I don't want you to get this twisted because if you just choose somebody for using them, you're using them. He chose us and said, I want you to know you're mine and I am yours. And as we build and foster this relationship and he assures us of our love without even doing something, now we can go and do something with him. And so he chose us to be his and now he has sent us as sons and daughters into where? Your world. My world is different than my brother-in-law Dino's world. I don't come with the same, I don't come in contact with the same people he does. So God chose Dino, and I'm just calling him out for right now. I have no clue why, so he may know later. Is God chose Dino to be his. First and foremost, Dino, you're mine. There's nothing you can do that will make me love you more. So it's not about you doing something for me, but Dino, you are mine and I am yours. Now, Dino, I'm sending you into your world. Why? Because I've given you a ministry. I've given you a grace, and I've given you an anointing. But who am, oh, don't even worry about who you are. Let's not even talk about you. Let's just talk about my ministry that I gave you, the grace that I give you, and the anointing that comes from Christ. And so he sends us now into your world with a ministry of reconciliation to go and do on his behalf in and with his power. Are you following me? Look at John 17, 18, and 15, 16. Jesus was praying to the Father. This is a prayer chapter in John 17. He says, as 
you sent me into the world, I also, sorry Gary, that was my fault, I also have what? Sent them where? The big, bad, ugly world, right? He sent us where? Into the world. He sends us with a mission. Now look at this. You did not choose me, but I what? If you ever feel like you're not accepted with God, just go back to that verse, please. You didn't choose him. You know, like, oh, there you are, God, I found you. No, no, he said, I found you. I chose you. I picked you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that that fruit will remain. What's the fruit of lives changed? That you would go and bear fruit, a ministry of reconciliation. So I wrote here, ministry is people. No matter where you're at, grocery store, church building, workplace, ministry is people. Love is the compelling guide. If you want to know how to do ministry, ask this question. What would love do? What would love say to that person? What would love do before I even get to the office space If I love these people, what would I do for them? Maybe it's serve them. Maybe it's get them something. Maybe it's an encouraging note. I don't know what it is. Because most of the times we come home and go, I can't stand the people that I work with. Do you realize, wait, think about this. Do you realize the moment self took that right on, you no longer can minister in that area? Because you no longer are operating out of love. You're operating now out of one thing, self. And self says, I can't stand them, so maybe if I could stand them, then I could love them. No, they have actually nothing to do with you loving them. It's you now knowing ministry is people. Love is the guide, and the Holy Spirit is the teacher. And so now I'm asking the Holy Spirit, just remind me when an opportunity comes by, because sometimes I get so fixated on my agenda and where I'm going and how I'm going to do this. So let me close with this story. I think it's on the, is Luke, Luke 10 on there? Next one? Nope. Okay. Worship team, you can come up, and then we're going to do what we, I know God has put in my heart to do for certain people. Luke 10, 25 says these words, and behold, and I've asked Pastor Jim and the kids, Nikki, if you can just remind Jim, they're going to come on in here to be with the parents as well, because I want them to experience what, what love looks like, Okay. And behold, a certain loyal stood up, to, uh, stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to them, Jesus is responding, just, just please listen as best as you can to me this whole passage, because this is why New Day was founded, on this very thing. And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then he added this, the, the guy did, And your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus replied, he said, you've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Now look at this. But he wanting to justify himself, wanting to justify who? Himself, said this. So who's my neighbor? I want you to see the parable Jesus is about to do because he was asking who his neighbor was And Jesus was about to now put him in his place and say, who's the neighbor? Not who is the neighbor that we're supposed to love, but are you going to be a neighbor to somebody else? Okay? And he said these words. Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, 
and he fell among thieves. It's this very narrow place. It goes from a high altitude to a low altitude, and there's a place where there's a great opportunity uh, to be robbed. And so he, he, they knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew exactly the route that he was talking about. And so a certain man that he said, he went down to this place, and he was robbed. They stripped him of his clothing. They wounded him. They departed, leaving him half dead. Now, that's physically what happened. But there is that Chinese man in front of me that I realize he's been stripped of his identity. He doesn't know who he is. I don't know where he comes from. Probably wounded in his life. And I'm just waiting for God to show me. God, man, show me how to love this guy right in front of me. Because I realize everything on the natural looks normal. But man, there's a man that does not know Christ. Now look at this. And now by chance, and now Jesus is about to poke religion. He goes, now by chance, a certain priest came down that road by chance, which is sovereign chance, opportunity God was going to give this man to minister. And when he saw him, he literally, he passed by on the other side. We don't know why. We can't judge his motives because we do it many times ourselves. Is we pass by. Why did he pass by? It's not because it was the good thing to do and he had other things to do. I'm going to show you in a moment. Jesus is going to reveal why that man passed by. Now look at the next one. So now a Levite, when he arrived at that place, he came and he looked and then he passed. And some of us, we see and God prompts us. Hey kids, come on in here. You guys can come all the way up. Make, make, or do whatever Pastor Jim said. Sorry, Jim. Or just listen to your pastor. Or listen to Jim. And don't make your moms upset as you're too loud coming down. And it says this. But a certain Samaritan, as, let's see, as he journeyed, he came where he was. And when he saw him, he had what? Compassion. That is, the, that is what I'm asking you for, is that you would pray, God, give me a greater capacity for compassion so that when I'm in front of people, which is ministry. Now they, now guys, come on, be, I'm just joking. <laughs> I did that for Nikki's sake. She's not up here. Oh, she is right there. Is when, I'm getting distracted now, okay. Is is when you're in front of people, their ministry, and I'm asking God, Lord, give me a greater capacity for compassion so that when I come across somebody as an opportunity to minister, that I would be moved by compassion. The other two did not stop because they were not moved by compassion. The reason why we don't stop, the reason why fear has, has played a greater impact in our life and not praying for people is what? No compassion. But don't feel condemned by that. Receive it from the Father. God, make me compassionate so that when I'm in their midst, I may have a heart for the people. And that love would compel me and that Holy Spirit teach me now how to minister to people. Are you following me? So we've all been given a ministry every single day. No matter if you go to a grocery store or not, you, you don't have to go, all right, I'm going to the grocery store Okay, Lord, give me the courage to minister to somebody today. It's not about courage. It's about what? Yep. Oh, please hear that. It's not praying for courage to witness. It's about compassion 
for people. Lord, help my heart to feel what people are feeling so that when I go, I have an agenda to get groceries, but Lord, I'm also an ambassador and I have a ministry of reconciliation. So if I have an opportunity just that affords me to tell somebody maybe Jesus loves them or you're gonna make it today or God knows what you're going through, I am gonna by compassion be moved and I can now minister reconciliation to them. Are you following me?